Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to ACB in Action, where the heart and soul of ACB shines. I'm Cindy Hollis, and I'm really glad you've joined us tonight. And with me, I have four special guests, leaders in their own right, and we are going to learn about each of them uh, as we sit around my virtual table. Welcome to Gabe Griffith from California Council of the Blind, Chris Gray from ACB Diabetics in Action, Rebecca Koistra, Becky from Michigan Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired, and Sarah Calhoun, Guide Dog Users Incorporated. Welcome, you guys. Thanks for joining me. Glad to be here. Oh, Invitation. Thanks for the payoff. That was great. <laughs> you got paid? Yeah. Shh, don't tell. Don't tell. Don't tell. All right. So... First question out of the gate. Uh, we're going to go with Sarah. Sarah, when did you join ACB and what brought you to this organization? Oh, okay. That's that's a fun one. Um, I, yeah, I lost my vision in 2000 at the age of 43. So there you go. How, you know how old I am. And I got my first guide dog in 2006 from Leader Dog. And at Leader Dog is when they uh, were introducing some of the organizations. And one was Guide Dog Users Incorporated, GDUI. And so I joined GDUI. And along with that, I also became a member of ACB. And um, then I joined St. Louis Council of the Blind. And they said, Oh, Sarah's already an, uh, a member of ACB, and, and I had no clue what ACB was about. Of course but you didn't. <laughs> I was willing to learn. Because Good. It was, it, was, it was about September, October of 2006. Very good. It's funny that you say that because I know as membership services coordinator, one of the first things I thought about when I took this position is we have to find a good way of explaining the layers of membership. And it's, it's still a challenge for me. So, (laughs) (laughs) All right, Becky, we're going to go to you next. How about you? When did you join? Um, I'm not. Find us. Exactly sure when I joined. It was somewhere probably between 2006 and 2008. My friend, who you know quite well, Miss Galen Floyd, who's always been an active member of ACB, um, she talked me into joining ACB. I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. And then she told me there is because she said, well, why don't you check out your state affiliate, MCBVI? And I said, well, I'm already a member of ACB. I don't need to join them. And she goes, you're already a member of them. I'm like, oh, okay, good to know. And then when I did my BSW internship at the Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired during 2010-2011, um, Chairs Austin and Casey Dutmer 
when they found out I was a member of ACB and MCBBI, they said, hey, we have a local chapter here in our area. How about you join? So I said, okay, I will. So that's... All right. I love it. And you mentioned two people that have been involved in WCB, so I know them both well, Galen and Casey. Yep. So that's that's great. And Gabe, how about you? I first joined the... Uh, Blind Students of California, as they were called at the time, in the late 90s, and uh, just kind of lurked on the email list for quite a while. And uh, Jean Lozano was my counselor at Sacramento State, kept trying to invite me to a chapter meeting, and I resisted for quite a while. And finally, in around 2002, I think it was, I I finally went to a a, uh, chapter meeting and joined the local chapter in Sacramento, attended my first state convention later that year and a national convention in 2003, and it's pretty much often running from there and uh, been well, involved in proof, and board levels and whatever else have you. You're proof that we need to give opportunities for people to be able to lurk so that they can want to join us, right? That's important. <clears throat> uh, I think I think it was a combination of, of lurking <laughs> and having having live encouragement. <laughs> good. Yes. Yes. Sounds like everybody's received that so far. So that's yeah. good. All right, Chris. I saved you for last because you have the the longest to go back. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, thank you for pointing that out. But, you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I joined ACB in August of 1971. And I went to the first organizing meeting of what was then known as the Washington Council of the Blind. Uh, I was a student in voc rehab, and some of the people I knew from voc rehab were going, and they were encouraging me. And uh, I thought it would be kind of fun to get to know these people socially uh, outside of State Services for the Blind. And I was I was already committed uh, intellectually. ACB. I had read the Braille Forum for two years since I was 16 years old and and so forth. And uh, just I met so many great people there, I won't go into it. But I will share one little story. From the day I joined, I've learned political lessons of one kind and another. And uh, a, a, a lawyer who was there said, well, Chris, do you think you might want to be a part of this WCB and a part of the American Council. I said, well, I, I'd like to. I said, but I'm only 17 years old, and you said the bylaws say you have to be 18. He said, oh, well, when do you turn 18? I said, November. Well, then you're turning within the year you join. That's how it works. <laughs> I thought, okay. <laughs> Political lesson. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's great. Well, and uh, we're glad that you did because, boy, there's some history there. Yes, All right. Um, who would like to share first on your eye condition and the cause of your vision loss? Anybody want to go first? Well, I'm easy. I was okay. born prematurely. I have what they call ROP today, and uh, that's that's my, my eye condition. That's your story, and you're sticking to it. That's right. <laughs> All right. Anybody want to go next? Sarah. Sure. Yeah, go okay. ahead, Sarah. Um, at in 2000, I um, 
started to lose my vision. I had vision up until then. Um, and uh, it I lost about 75% within two weeks. Long story short, it, it wow. turned out to be the my optic nerves. They were affected. And um, so, and now after, then by 2004, I lost everything. So I'm totally blind now, but. So okay, that's my deal. How about you, Gabe? I lost my sight when I was about five and a half years old. The doctors think it was a reaction to a flu virus, and kind of like Sarah, I uh, it was my optic nerves that were affected. I uh, I think my vision had gone blurry a little bit a, a few weeks before, but basically mm-hmm. I woke up one morning and couldn't see. Um, I was I was totally blind, pretty much overnight. And then over the next few months, I got a little bit back to where um, through my teenagers and into my mid-30s, I could I could see decent shapes and colors. Um, but then the last few years, it's that started deteriorating a bit. And uh, I'm at the point now where on a good day, I can see shadows and light and dark. Mm-hmm. How about you, Becky? Well, mine is the retinitis pigmentosa we think I might have Usher syndrome too because I have a hearing loss also and it pretty much follows the path of it you know born Mm -hmm. with a hearing loss and then you start losing your vision in late teens early adulthood which is what happened to me But my mom and dad swear that I had hearing when they first got me. I'm adopted. Um, And then I had, when I was 18 months old, I had German measles, and I had a temperature of Mm 105.4, and they figure that's when I lost my hearing loss. Or not, not, it'd be nice if I lost my hearing loss. That would mean I actually <laughs> had hearing. Okay, let's start that over. So that's when I lost my hearing because the doctor figured the high heat of my um, fever had burned my inner ear. So I do not know officially if I have ushers or not, but I do definitely have RP. And a hearing loss. Right now, I still have some usable vision, but I can tell it's, you know, decreases, you know, um, quite a bit, you know. I would imagine if I'm not in a familiar area that the reason I'm seeing what I'm able to see, like in my house, is because I know it's there. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, so that's my eye condition. Mm-hmm. So, so Becky, why don't you I, I just share a little bit about your family life, uh, whether it's siblings or spouse or kids or whatever. Uh, you said you were adopted. Very fascinated about that. How old were you when you were adopted? Oh, I was two months old when oh, my... Just a um, baby. I know. I was, and I was still custom cute. You were That's still why cute. they brought me home. <laughs> 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 Anyways, um, my birth mother, when she gave birth to me in Minneapolis, Minnesota, I am a Viking. Oh. Um, yep. 
but she didn't sign the paperwork right off. And my parents, I won't go into their long history because I know you don't want to listen to me yammer, yammer. Um, but they were going through the adoption process, and they found out they were pregnant, and they called the adoption agency, and they said, we can remove you from the list, put you at the back of the list or the front. And they said, well, hey, put us at the front. So that very day, my birth mother actually signed the papers because for two months I was actually in a foster home. And ten days later, my mom and dad went to the Lutheran Social Services and and got me. So I've been with them, my parents, since I was um, two months old. And so I do have um, one sister... She was born um, in September. I was born in January, and she was born in September. And she was actually a premium back in those days because that was 69, and they still used high levels of oxygen. She's probably pretty lucky she didn't Mm. end up with, you know, eyesight issues and stuff because she was in an incubator for I think about six weeks or something like that um so yeah and this part you don't know interesting my um parents are um or were my dad's a retired minister now but a fundamental baptist minister so I actually grew up as a a PK. <laughs> I've been married uh-huh. this January. <laughs> yep, this January, and we won't go into stories about the proverbial reputation of PKs, but anyways, <laughs> <laughs> this January, my husband and I will have been married 30 years. We met on uh, July 14th, got engaged exactly... Um, Seven weeks later, and we're engaged or we're married January nineteenth. So, wow. yeah, it was like six months and three days between when we met and got married, and we're almost married for thirty years. So, well, congratulations! That's awesome. Yeah. Yep. So, Chris, I'm going to jump over to you because I also know that I just learned actually <laughs> <laughs> that you, you were also adopted. I did not. Well, how about no. that? Yes. Yeah. My uh, my mother had issues carrying children way back in the day, and when she and my dad would lose a child, they would adopt a child. Oh and wow! They uh, they became very active in in Catholic charities, and were well known to the agency because they took kids briefly while they were looking for other homes for them and stuff like that. Well, when I came along, being born three months early, and I was two pounds three ounces which was a miracle that i lived in in 1953 the agency came to my folks and said would you like to uh, have a real challenge (laughs) (laughs) and uh, they were they were up for it i had to be awakened and fed every four hours around the clock and all this and then in a few months well lo and behold this child is blind well they weren't expecting that but uh, they they just figured well we'll we'll uh, cope with it. They got in touch with agencies and you know people to learn how to raise a, a, a small blind kid. And uh, not to ramble on too long, but you'll like this story. I think when uh, I was about a year and a half old, 
maybe just a little older, Catholic Charities suddenly came back to my parents, and they're like, um, we completely forgot about this child. We knew he was in good hands, and we've got to get him adopted. And uh, my father used to love to tell this story to people, and he would always conclude it by saying, you know, how appalled they were. This absolutely could not happen. He said it never occurred to us anybody else had ever won him. (laughs) 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 So they did adopt me late, but I went to live with them from the incubator. I was in the incubator three months, went straight to them. So they were always my parents, and uh, the adoption went off without a hitch. I have vague memories of it. Uh, actually, but anyway, that's that's my story. Oh and well, I should say I have. You should. Three brothers. Uh huh. And uh, one sister. Uh huh. And uh, my dad passed away in 2003 after a good long life. Your mom just had a, a my recent mom just, birthday. Just had her 100th birthday. Yeah. Oh wow! And, uh, Wonderful. So that was exciting. And, and uh, most of you? us were there. Uh, the the COVID got in the way of some of us, but most of us were there. And how about your wife? My wife, Marvelina. <laughs> well, of course. We have been together for 20 years. We made it all the way to 20, and I hear people talk about 30. Well, in 10 years, you can ask me, and I'm sure we'll be together after 10 years. <laughs> Marvelina is uh, she's also blind, and uh, she was born and raised in the Bay Area. And... Uh, Yay. Came with me to St. Louis, and here we are today. Very good. And how about you, Sarah? Uh, well, let's see. I was born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up in Webster Groves, and I have uh, four sisters. I'm number four out of all five of us. No brothers. And um, I have three grown children, and um, my oldest is is watching and taking care of us from heaven. And uh, and she had uh, two boys, um, and then my son and his wife, they have two boys, and then my youngest daughter, she'll be thirty in. This December, she has um, uh, three girls and one boy. So I have eight grandchildren. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> my youngest daughter will also be 30 in December. Oh, my. Oh. Yeah. Isn't that funny? That is. December yeah. 3rd is. Uh, oh, know. December 7th. Yeah. Very close. <laughs> yeah. And right now, um, my uh, grandson, my daughter's son, uh, Cameron, um I have been raising him for the last four years, and he is 16 and doing awesome. And um, and also, oh, and Jeff, <laughs> oh yeah, my better half, Jeff. Um, <laughs> we we are not married, uh, but we've been together for 20, <laughs> 23 years. There it is. Wow, very good. So wonderful. Yeah. All right. Gabe, I'm anxious to learn about you. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. I know. I think you have kids. I Maybe. do not. No? No. Wow, man. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> I, know nothing. I, know, I got nothing. I got nothing. 
<laughs> I, uh, I was actually born and raised up in, in uh, I was born in Oregon, and then I, uh-huh. I, uh, we moved to Washington State when I was uh, about two years old, and so right. I lived there until I was 12, almost 13. You lived in Washington? I did. Oh my gosh. I did, yeah. Uh, I just Yakima, feel like I right don't the... know you. I don't know anything yeah. about you. I'm learning. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, right. I, I, um, I, was, I was living in Washington okay. when I lost my sight. Okay. And, uh, and I, I have a younger sister. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, my parents, uh, you know, they, they had no idea what to do with a blind kid. Um when I lived in, in Yakima, there wasn't even a vision program. There wasn't even a vision mm. teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I was actually really lucky that the uh, resource teacher, they, as they called them at the time, um, she was working on her master's and she uh, decided to change her degree so that she could be qualified to teach me Braille so I could stay at home with my family. Wow. And then, uh, and then uh, just before, just between sixth, seventh gra- grade, we moved to California. Mm-hmm. And uh, lived down in Fresno County, and uh, so then um, I ended up marrying another blind gal, and she passed away in 2015. So we didn't have any kids. So I'm currently uh-huh. single, but I have uh, my sister has a couple of kids. So I've got nieces there. My sister-in-law has a couple of boys, so I've got nephews that are here in town. So, um, you know, nieces, nephews, I get, and and uh, you know, a whole family through Becky's side that um, that I'm really lucky. So, you know, a lot of extended wow. family. Yeah, it was an extended family, but, wow. uh, but no, no, no kids of my own. I had no idea that you'd lived in Washington either. Wow. Yeah, crazy. Well, I, was, I was there. I was there and gone before you had a chance. I guess. I, you just, <laughs> look, just in and out. Anyway. Yep. Um, so, yep. the next question I was going to ask, and so Gabe, we're we're going to just stick with you. Is what is, what is or was? Well, you're you probably are still working, right? Are you career? Yeah. 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 Talk to us. Tell us my, about my, it. <laughs> my day job. My day job is doing technical support for a for a company that I would guess just about everybody here and listening has heard of, uh, Humanware. So if you call Humanware Tech Support, you may get may get to hear oh. my voice again. Wow! And uh, I've been I've been with them now for just over fourteen years. Oh wow! Oh, very good. Wow, that's very good. And how about you, Becky? <sighs> I have no illustrious career to speak of. For a while, I was a social worker for pay. Now, I'm a social worker for free, because I do swear (laughs) sometimes being a leader does require a lot of social work skills, so that's (laughs) my my current career is working for free. (laughs) I hear ya. Wow. Uh, And Chris? You just retired, right? Well, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Actually, the truth is, I'll tell you a little, a real thumbnail sketch of my career. But as you'll see by the time I'm done, I've, I've never figured out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Not really. But uh, <laughs> right. I, I the the problem is, is you haven't grown up yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that could be. That could be. <laughs> but I got a master's in public administration. I always loved 
figuring out how to get things done, organizing things. And so I liked administration. And maybe if I had it to do over again, I would be an attorney. But I didn't want to do that at that time in my life. So I worked for four or five years for the federal government and really hated that. Oh, my gosh. That's the worst work I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, I went from there to a company that uh, you may all know, I'm sure Gabe does, called Telesensory. Mm -hmm. And I was a product engineer for a while, an application engineer, and became a product manager and so forth. Uh, Did well there, loved the work, Uh, always would have liked to go back to it. But a close friend of mine worked for IBM and convinced me to go to work in a IBM research lab. And my my master's had been in uh, – it had a lot to do with statistics and statistical management. And in the government, I did a lot of work on IBM computers. So I had a background in IBM mainframe computing, went to work for the company. I worked at their Santa Teresa research lab down in southern uh, the southern part of the Bay Area and uh, stayed there for, for nine years. Went from there to Oracle Corporation. They make the, the big databases that trounced IBM's databases, and I got to help with that a little bit. That was fun. And then I always had wanted to be a dot-commer. I mean, the hmm. thrill, the excitement of it, the, the challenge. And I joined a small dot-com company called Brightmail. We had this idiotic idea that spam would be a problem in email someday. Can you imagine that? <laughs> you, you, were, you were wrong on the hot, weren't you? I'll tell you. <laughs> we were about 35 people. We worked on card tables and had a foosball table in the back, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> and uh, we created what is even today the finest anti-spam technology anywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we sold it to Earthlink first off, and then I and a small team, uh, I was not head of that team. I was head of a piece of it. But we created that same software to work uh, with Microsoft and Hotmail. Well, mm-hmm. that, was, that was the way to go. I mean, we, we'd, we'd sold our ticket to success on that score. Symantec, the guys who make Norton Antivision, bought us in uh, 2003 for 370 million which was a real excitement i bet it was i stayed with symantec until 2007 and then ran my own company bay area digital for a number of years but was invited to come to work and and i knew i would be finishing my formal career here Uh, imagine all the work I've done in throughout my life for ACB affiliates and uh, to be able to work uh, at the latter part of my formal career for an organization of ACB was a, a truly exciting moment, something that I never really thought would happen. But I wound up in Missouri and have had, uh, what, eight, eight and a half magnificent years here. Uh, hopefully they feel the same way, but uh, what a great way to wind up a career to do the thing that I loved the most 
outside of my formal working career. So that might be more than you wanted to hear, Cindy. But no, that's go. awesome. It's great. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. And mm-hmm. how about you, Sarah? Well, let's see. Uh, I had, uh, went to college after high school, and um, I had uh, I was taking accounting classes, psychology, things like that. And then um, I ended up working primarily in the construction industry uh, for the uh, different a couple of different construction companies and um, uh, doing their books, payroll, accounts, receivables, payables, um, and also doing um, helping with the scheduling of the um, uh the work where the the guys would be working on what jobs and worked. Um, I didn't do uh, produce the bids, but I worked on uh, the bids, compiling all the information that needed to be submitted. And um, so and I did that for several years. I worked for a barge company here in St. Louis. Of course, we're right here sitting on the Mississippi River. Of course, Chris knows that. Mm. Yes, <laughs> and, ma'am. Um, so, uh, but mainly it was uh, in accounting and, and in, you know, customer service, that kind of work. And, uh, okay. So that's kind of what I did until I lost my vision. So now this question is, you as a, a blind person, so as I know that, Sarah, you lost your vision, you know, as an adult. Becky, mm-hmm. you had uh, still had vision growing up. So this is really like, what was that aha moment for you when you realized that you could do whatever you set your mind to do? When when you really, you know what I mean? That just that moment was there. Was there one for any of you? Who, who would like to jump in? Uh, Sarah, I, yeah. I definitely know my mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, as you know, I had lost my vision. And for the first six years, I was in a pretty bad spot. Lost, you know, my confidence and motivation. And I didn't want to go out of the house and... You know, I didn't want to use the cane, and um, I was not a very happy person. Um, and then I learned about Leader Dog School for the Blind through Alliance Club. And um, I've always been an animal lover and had dogs. So I filled out the application, and I was scared out of my wits because I, I barely did anything independently you know, for those first six years. And I jumped on the plane, went to Michigan. And the first time I put my hand in the, on the harness and set forward, my life changed. It, I, it was, it was just life changing. And I knew that I could be a happy, independent person. I mean, it took me a little bit, but I knew I wanted to be in the guide dog world Somehow, some way. <laughs> awesome. On, I was back to myself. That's wonderful. Anybody else want to chime in? 
I can. Oh, I'll jump. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Um, yes. Go ahead, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll hearken back to a, to a good old ACB story since we're on ACB radio and all <laughs> that. But um, uh, as many of you know, I was an intern for ACB. In fact, I was their first student intern in Washington, D.C. in uh 1976, got to count backwards here, in 76, <laughs> and uh, the year before, I guess I was 21, 22, I wrote Derbert McDaniel a letter and uh, proposed that I come and be an intern. I said I will get college credit for it, and I wanted that credit, obviously, and all that, but I also wanted to learn a lot more about ACB and, and so forth. Many, well, not many. Four or five years later, I invited Durward to to speak. This was probably in 79 to the uh, student organization of ACB at that time. And uh, he agreed to come by for about 10 or 15 minutes. Like he had nothing better to do. (laughs) (laughs) But he came over and uh, he, he talked about ACB and, the future of ACB being students. He was a great believer in that. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I want you to think about something. He said, and Chris, I don't mean this in any way badly about you. He said, I had no idea what would happen, how things would work out. We'd never had an intern and so forth. And so, you know, I wanted you to come as an intern, but the main reason that I said yes is because you asked. Mm. And I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah. So you learned to ask. That's right. Yeah, the power of asking. Mm-hmm. Very good. Gabe? I, I can't really say as I ever remember having that kind of an aha moment. Um, I don't know if it was that since we lived in an area that there weren't any other blind kids around that my parents just never thought otherwise, but I just remember growing up my entire life with my parents believing and instilling in me that belief that I could do whatever I want. Um, My mom always tells a story when I was just a few months after I'd lost my sight. And it's funny. I just actually put this in an article that I wrote for blind Californian Um, spoiler alert. uh, I, uh, wanted to go up to buddy's house that lived a couple of houses up the road and my mom you know my sister was like 18 months old or something at the time and my mom said they're trying to take her her do laundry whatever else and i'm just like mom can you take me up there and she finally had enough and she says you can walk out the front door and i i you know hadn't learned how to use a cane or anything else at that time but she goes you can walk out the front door you know how to get down those couple of steps right there you can feel your way across the lawn, get in, get to the street, and just turn up the hill, keep your left foot against the gutter, and you can walk. It's three driveways up. And <laughs> the next thing she knew, she heard the screen door slam. <laughs> and she she's just going, oh, my God, what have I just done? <laughs> just sent my child out done. there. Into yeah. the street. <laughs> she dropped whatever she do- was doing, grabs my sister, runs out there. And by the time she gets out there, I'm already halfway up the hill. My buddy's in his front yard going, come on, Gabe, you can do it. You, just a little bit further. Come on. And, and <laughs> you know, it's funny because she, she still tells me she feels guilty about doing that. And I'm just going, mom, 
you, that you know, was, that probably is yeah. what gave me the confidence yeah, to for sure. get out there and An travel across the moment. country and, yeah. and do everything. So, you know, I, I feel like I should remember it, but um, because I've heard this story so many times, it's just, um, uh, I think that's probably the closest that no, I have. No, that's, that. that's good. Thanks. How about you, Becky? Uh, I snotted and snorted and thought about it today. I'm not entirely sure I have had an aha moment. Um, the closest I can think of is um, when I went to get my BSW and my MSW. Um, earlier on in my younger years, I had gone to college to get my degree in accounting, but once I made it through the associate's program, I'm like, ooh, accounting's not for me, so I just ended with my associate's degree. But even though I had an associate's degree, I always kind of felt like I was a failure because I did not actually complete my goal of getting my bachelor's in it. So when I went to get my you know, BSW and MSW, I did make it through those six years, four of undergraduate and two of graduate work, and they were some pretty rough times. There were times I would come home from college crying and frustrated, and but I kept going, and then my goal was I barely missed the Honor Society and the BSW program, so I set my mind to it for the MSW program, and I actually did get inducted into the Honor Society. So that's um, that's the closest I can think of of having awesome. an aha thingy. That's, that's great. So, Becky, do you have Cindy. some? Do you have someone? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you guys were going to be trouble. I just knew it. And you are living up to it. No problem at I'm all. Glad the, I'm glad okay. the host of the show didn't change halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not, Cindy. No. Right. <laughs> Did you step out for a moment? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> Becky, who was the most influential person in your life? Uh, as it either a teenager or a young adult? I don't entirely know. I mean, I know there are people I looked up to, but I can't say there's anyone that was like, that made me go in a certain direction in my life because of their influence. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe some people had influence on me that I didn't realize until I got older reflecting back but I honestly cannot remember really an influential person in my life at that age I mean my mom and dad loved me so if you guys are listening don't take that as an insult but (laughs) but yeah how how about you Chris oh definitely yeah I mean and and it's true you, you don't discount your parents or their friends and so many people you meet but in terms of the blind community and so my my parents had this terrible habit of introducing me to any blind person they would meet anywhere oh i, I know that this <laughs> old blind guy in the post office selling coffee and this and that me nuts. but there was a guy who was very involved in stu- with students uh, he, 
In fact, you probably know him, Cindy, at least a little bit. Not in his heyday, certainly. But anyway, he did ham radio courses for students in junior high and high school. Uh, a time or two, I went to his house because he didn't live that far from me and all that. And uh, I'll tell you one story about him. And so, Anyway, he was an attorney, uh, totally blind. His name was Arnold Sadler. And uh, just to me as an adolescent, a real luminary of, of a human being. One time he told me a story, so it's good. It's a good story. He said he got his law degree, and uh, this is partly what impressed me so much. And he opened a small office in his father's business, and he said he went to work every day for a year before he got a client. But he hmm. said you had to go. You had to get up. You had to do it. And once he had that one client – there was two and four, and on you go. Uh -huh. But uh, he was a great individual in WCB and, and certainly in my life. And how about you, Sarah? Oh, gosh. Um, well, definitely my parents, my mom and my dad. Um, but I, uh, I, I remember, and I um, have always carried it, that uh, my dad always said that Whatever you choose to do, just you do the best that you can, um, no matter what it is, you know, do your best. And um, uh, always, you know, follow your, your gut feelings. And uh, so he was, he was very, he was very inspirational to, to me growing up and, and he had his own construction company and and just um uh his worth ethic, work ethics and it taught us to work hard but have fun when you're back home with your family and um so i've i've got it i must say it was my father all right how about you gabe as i said earlier i wasn't ever really around any other blind folks until I was in my late teens, early twenties. But I'd say one of the most influential people that I think of looking back uh, was in high school, my swim coach. I, uh, I, I knew I wanted to join the swim team and coach happened to be our neighbor just around the corner from us. And so my whole freshman year, he'd see me around campus and he had this booming voice and say you're gonna come out for swim team right <laughs> and uh and and so my freshman year i joined and at the end of the year we you know the whole team got together all all uh all of that season sports would get together and they'd have a video montage of everybody that had participated and then all the different sports would split off and have their awards and there was a group of senior guys that um, you know, coach just got really emotional talking about everything that they'd been through over the previous four years. And I, I remember thinking at that time, wow, what would it be like to have that kind of a relationship with this man at the end of these, these four years? And um, then I started going to his optional morning practices at uh, about 5 a.m., 5.30 a.m., <laughs> um 
being my neighbor, he would uh, he, he uh, you know really sacrificed and offered to pick me up. <laughs> so we'd be sitting there so at some practice right? in the afternoon, and he'd be like, "Gabe, am I picking you up tomorrow at four forty-five?" Coach. We'd have these team meetings, and he'd he'd talk to us not about swimming but about life and. Um, a couple of buddies oh. that I'm still friends with from high school and I still talk about, you know, remember when coach used to tell us if, if opportunity doesn't knock to build a door, and, uh, <laughs> That's uh, great. he, he, he went to the same church that I did. So I'd see him there and, um, just, you know, really neat, really inspirational guy that you know, 25 years later is still, uh, and still has a, an influence on me. Like even now, you know, all these years later, I can't go to swim laps without hearing him yelling in my, you know, yelling at me to reach, you know, do this, do that. So that's awesome. Uh, that's great. Thank you. So you guys, I'm placing a toolbox in between you guys, right in front of you all, and um, <laughs> this is our leadership toolbox, and I want each of you to give. One thing you think would be an important tool for any leader to have access to or to, you know, to have readily available. Uh, so we're going to build this toolbox for other leaders. And um, so, and you can't repeat something somebody else puts into the <laughs> toolbox. So, so let's, uh, let's go to Chris, I'm going to let you go first. What is the first uh, tool in the toolbox? The first tool. Mm-hmm. I was afraid you'd ask me something. For a like leader this. to have. <laughs> well, no pressure, Chris. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be too put off by the word tool. I know you don't mean I, like a screwdriver. No, I don't mean saw. like a screwdriver. No, it's, it's definitely. <laughs> Characteristic, maybe quality. I think, quality. Yeah, I, think, I think probably um, one of the ones I would choose and and try and have uh, is is empathy. All right, and you've empathy. got to empathize with yeah. people to, to talk to them, to reach yeah. them. If Very you can't good. do that, you're never going to make it. All right, Becky, you're next. What's your tool? Oh, sure, and. And the questions that ask each person to pick three tools. Now <laughs> you're you only, only giving me one tool yeah. to choose? Yes. Hold on. Like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> she, she did say you could Okay, so let's see. Out of the three, I stewed over. I guess I would pick, um, hmm. I really did have three of them. So I, well, it should be pretty easy to just grab one of those, shouldn't it? Okay, honesty. <laughs> honesty, okay. That's a good one. It is Absolutely. a great one. All right, Gabe. I, I want Chris's email spam filter. <laughs> no, um, I, I think as a, I think as a leader, I, I was actually going to say listening, but I, I think that's a lot like Chris's empathy. And so I'm going to say thick skin. I, I think along with listening to people, you, you have to have prefer. thick yeah. skin to be able to not take things too personal. personal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And how about you, Sarah? I would put in the toolbox, um, uh, good listening skills. 
Okay. Being able to listen. All right. Very good. All right. Now, I want to, we don't have a whole lot of time left. This is crazy. It's going by too fast. And, and you were worried that we would pull up the time. I was worried, worried but I knew it would take you guys. You guys are talkers. <laughs> we're okay. sorry, not. If you could, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. could grant, if you could grant one wish for your affiliate, what would it be, Sarah? Oh, one wish. Yep, one oh. wish for your affiliate. Um, I would, uh, let's see, I would, I, I wish that, um, we, more membership, more, yeah, okay. more membership. Involvement. All right. Yeah. Okay. And Gabe? I feel like this is kind of obvious, but I'm going to say funding. They say money doesn't solve all problems, but it, man, it we could sure do a help, whole huh? lot more. We could do a whole lot more if we had some. There you go. <laughs> all right, all right, Becky. Unity, unity, love it. All right, yeah. and and Chris, I wish that my affiliate could gather for itself or gather unto itself more of the recognition of what we can do for other people, but that people are not seeing that we could do for them. Uh, it's our job. It's not their job. But I want other people to to know that truth. Mm-hmm. Very good. I love it. All right. Now, I want to know what you like to do for fun. So... Gabe, what do you like to do for fun when you're not working and you're not worrying about CCB? Uh, you mean in the two hours that's yes. left in the day? Yeah, if you get two hours. I don't know how. Wow. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, two hours left in the week. Two hours, <laughs> two hours in a week. <laughs> um, I, I alluded to it, I think, a little earlier. I love swimming? long distance swimming. Uh-huh. Um, I've, I've gotten back into it in the last few years, and. Uh, have been lucky enough to three times go up to Lake Tahoe and participate in a Trans Tahoe relay swim, and wow. uh, just love swimming. But uh, last year we were uh, we were lucky enough to have a team of five people who were blind or low vision, so it was really cool. All right, how about you, Chris? What do you do for fun? Oh gosh, well, I love to fool around with technology that doesn't involve me directly. Uh, probably the thing that I uh, do the most for fun and I spend the most time doing it, I must say, is that uh, another ACBer, Don Thompson, many of you may know Don from Hawaii, he and I do a jazz show once a week for two hours from uh, 8 to 10 Eastern. And uh, we we play all kinds of jazz. We have a theme for each show. We got to think up that theme. We have artists we feature, all kind of ways to present the music. Um, organizing that show, and I'm Don's the brains. I'm the brawn. I get the organizing <laughs> done. I get the stuff on the computer where it needs to go. I get it uploaded and all that. But uh, we just have a blast doing it, and That's... we've become good friends, uh, partly over that process. And, Very good. Uh, just, just love it. 
Awesome. How about you, Sarah? Well, um, when I get, do have some downtime, um, I like I like to crochet. I have learned how to knit again, and I like I like doing things, making things with my hands, and um, just making little projects or gifts for people, things like that. You've been getting into that crafty stuff with the crafty <laughs> chat people, huh? Yes, Aren't that's you? where I relearned. <laughs> Those crafty people, it. they are they are oh, crazy. They are I'm they are <sighs> they are into it, let me tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're intense. <laughs> we've learned loom knitting, that is fun and it's a wonderful group. It oh, really that's good. Is. And all part of the community stuff. It's just so exciting how things like that have just taken off. So Mm -hmm. that's great, Sarah. Thanks. How about you, Becky? I don't know if my definition of fun is different than other people's. I find stuff that's pleasurable, enjoyable, relaxing, but I don't know if it would be quote-unquote fun. Back in the day when I went bowling, I considered that fun, you know, or going to the auto races. Um, Other than that, I'm an old fuddy-duddy. I'm pretty boring. (laughs) I don't do anything fun anymore. Um, Relaxing counts. Pardon? Relaxing. Relaxing counts. (laughs) Oh, does that count as fun? Okay. Um, But, no, I do, like, who was saying, Chris or whoever about whatever I do, you know, work on MCBVI radio, and I do have a weekly show every Wednesday night there from 8 go. to 9 p.m. called Diving and Jamming with Rock and Angel. That's me, Rock and Angel. But um, I do enjoy, you know, doing that. So, yep, I guess I would I would say that. Okay, well, that sounds like a good something. Mm-hmm. So, what is, and we have maybe like 45 seconds for each of you to answer this question, okay? <laughs> so what would your one goal be for your affiliate and you as president? Like, you know, what would, yeah, what do you, do you have a goal in mind that you'd like to accomplish, say, in the next year? Anybody? Can want? I answer first? Yes, go for it. Before anyone steals my answer. <laughs> okay, you can repeat them. People can repeat. You can share. Yeah, um, I do want to start a, a group or a special affiliate, um, whatever, special interest affiliate for our younger members in our organization because we always say every every affiliate, affiliate says we need to draw in the younger members while we have to have something for them, so I'd like to see that get started so we could have something for our younger members. Okay. Who'd like to go next? I will. I'll jump in. Go ahead, ahead, Gabe. Go ahead. Uh, I mentioned earlier, Becky and I have have been emailing back and forth in California. We're we're working on actually getting a uh, younger affiliate started, and along those lines, uh, what I've been saying to groups as I've been speaking to them the last couple of months is we need to answer the question of what's in it for me. So, I'd I'd love to be able to answer that to folks of this is this is what's in it for you and this is why you should join. All right, very good, Chris. I slightly inherited this idea because it's something that our previous president D Clayton and I talked about probably in every one of the last 
10 conversations we had. But my goal, and I think my board is in concurrence with me about this, is to double our membership in the next year. Love it. Yeah. I'm telling you. I, it, right. can be, it can be done. It can be yep. done. <laughs> I'm here to support you. All right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, Sarah, how about you? Well, uh, pretty much on the same lines, um, would love to be able to reach out to uh, younger people and, um, uh, you know, increase our membership. And but by being involved, getting the membership involved more, and uh, it has certainly been proven by ACB community calls that it's this is a great thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have seen how it has grown and it brings people together, you make friends, and so uh, we are talking about doing some. You know, community calls. Yay! Different subject. Yeah, with actually, we've, we're going to be with uh, Terry Pacheco. Uh huh. Very she good. Invited us, yes, to to be with them and talk about um, the older uh, adults getting guide dogs. That all right? But that's we awesome. More like that too to engage. Wonderful. I love it. And yes, you guys, everybody should, every affiliate should be utilizing community calls. They're amazing. And uh, we are, I I told people today that it won't surprise me if not too far in the future, we have 100 calls in one week. I mean, they're just Uh going that fast. So uh, anyway, you guys, thank you so much for being a part of today's show. Thank you for the invitation. This has been amazing. Yeah, that's great. This has been fun. Good. It's, and it's gone by too fast, but too this fast. is ACB <laughs> in action where we go to the front lines and behind the scenes to learn about the leaders in our organization. Thank you to the four of you, Sarah, Becky, Gabe, and Chris. Really, truly a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, everybody, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs>